that good? Okay. Um, so a couple things before we get into our teaching this morning. I'm going to give you a heads up on the special card that is at your tables this morning. Because I want to give you a little time here this morning to do some, some pondering. And um, I'm just going to give you a, a uh, heads up on what we're going to be talking about this morning. So by the end, you can, can have your little card filled out. I, w- I will not be offended if during the teaching you are filling it out and keeping one ear on what I'm sharing and one eye on filling this out. Um, you, you, you may need more time to think and pray about it, and so we don't want to rush you in that regard, but what we're going to be talking about this morning is our value of connection and community. And um, you guys are all smart and know how to fill these things out, but what I, what I would like for you to do if you need a little extra help is uh, fill out your information, check off the box yes there. You see there's only one option. There's no opt out. You have to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you are willing or interested in joining a missional community, which, again, is one of the values we're, we have and what we're going to talk about, um, circling the days and times that work best for you. And so we have Sunday morning or e- afternoon slash evening, and you see that for each day. And then if you don't mind... If you have two or three days that are, are doable for you, you just put beside them, you know, first choice, second choice, third choice, right? Does that make sense? Everyone clear on this? All right, so now you're prepared and you can be thinking about it as, as we, we have a conversation this morning. Secondly, I'm doing a whole lot of business here. You remember these little cards from last week? They don't have anything on them. It's a little follow-up for you. How are you doing with these cards? Some of you aren't here. You don't know what I'm talking about. If you need a card because you weren't here or if you, if you have a card uh, that is filled with like 100 names and you need more cards, that's also fine. But these cards, last week we talked about the value of disciple making. And who are the people that God has placed in your life to invest in and be a blessing to and to seek to invite into your life and you go deeper into theirs as you live out the gospel to them. So it's just a little reminder. You know, part of disciple-making is accountability and follow-up. And I don't want to share a sermon or a talk, and then we just forget about it. Because that's kind of like the good seed that's cast out. Jesus told this parable, and then it didn't take root. Uh, so follow-through is one of the important parts of discipleship. So again, if you need one of these cards... Here's a little secret. You can buy these at Walmart, you know, a pack of them. So I don't have any special uh, card or anything like that. But just want to remind you about that. So at this time, why don't we have a prayer, and then we'll get into our teaching this morning that you guys already know what it is, but you're going to stick with me. Amen? All right. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are a God who values us. You love us. You care about us. We just pray that as we consider what you're calling us to be a part of, that we would uh, surrender our, our will over to you and be blessed by you to bless others, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So just this past week, I happened to read an article that when you read articles and they're perfectly timed, you know that it's a God thing. 
because the name of the article was, and it was in the publication Christianity Today. I don't know if you've ever heard of this publication called Christianity Today. Just a little funny side note. I uh, went and read the article earlier in the week, and I said to myself, I need to save this onto like a Word document because I, get a, I have a feeling that if I go back later in the week to find the story again, it's going to have like a paywall there. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you go back to articles. And sure enough, I went yesterday to retrieve the article, and I couldn't get to it because there was a paywall. And so I tweeted out to Christianity Today and said, man, that really is too bad. Um, I want to cite this article in my sermon. And once you know what the publisher responded to me and said, here's the article for you. Give me your personal information. We'll give you a free subscription to Christianity Today. So there you go. Ask and you shall receive. So I'm, I'm, I'm promoting Christianity Today. I don't have, I'm not getting a commission, but I'm just I'm giving a good word for Christianity Today. But the name of the article was, Church is a Family, Not an Event. And I said, this is exactly what I'm going to be talking about this week. And so there was a particular story in the article that was most acute that it illustrated what we're talking about this morning. And that was the writer cited a story, an experience that he had when he was visiting Kenya, and he heard the riveting and exciting and inspiring story of a young man who had been raised Muslim, but he converted to Christianity. As a result of that, he was actually disowned by his family He was kicked out of his family, and he actually had to flee for his life because he feared violence against him as a result of converting out of Islam into Christianity. Fortunately, he was able to find a church not too far from where he fled that actually welcomed him in, and they allowed him to live in their building. Isn't that pretty awesome? They actually gave him a a corner of the building, They gave him a mattress. They even brought him food every single day that he could eat. He was so incredibly grateful for what they had done. He was blessed by it. He was was full of gratitude. But as the writer of the story was listening to him share his story, the young man said something that was very, very, very interesting. The young man said, you know, I'm so grateful for everything this church has done for me. But what I really struggle with is when the church service is over on Sunday mornings, all of a sudden everybody leaves and I'm left here by myself. And I'm not welcomed into their home to be a part of their family life. And the author of the story shared this thought, which I thought was pretty telling. He says, this church, this is what talking about this church in Kenya, This church was so near and yet so far from Christ-like hospitality. The church building provided shelter. The church members provided sustenance. And the church event provided sacraments and spiritual teaching. But check this out. But none of these were a substitute for a lifelong intimate commitment of a family. This young man literally gave up his whole family network. He gave up his whole relational support. And yet he had the support and the, and, the, and the encouragement of his church family. But when the lights were turned off and everyone went home, where was he left? Left without a network. Left without true fellowship and community. You know, that's in a place of the world 
where they tend to be a little more connected than we do here in the United States. We in the United States especially, we don't have those strong relational bonds like they do in other parts of the world. So if he's experiencing it there, how much more here? When the lights are turned off and everyone goes home and we're at home having our lunch, are we really staying connected as a body of believers? Well, today we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, and again, don't turn off your brains because you already know the punchline, but today we're going to talk about our second value as a church, which is called connection and community. There's some fascinating uh, uh, verses in scripture that talk about the significance and the idea of us being connected as, as the people of God who are on the mission of God. I think, for example, of what Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy was a young kind of protege of Paul's. Paul, as you may know, was one of the most significant figures in the spread of Christianity. In fact, if there was no Paul, we may not have known about Christianity. Paul was a, a, a Jew that was dead set against this new Jesus idea, but he had an experience on, maybe you've heard of this phrase before, the road to Damascus, where he saw the light, and at once he understood that all of God's, all of God's promises were fulfilled in Jesus. And so he gave his life to Jesus, and he began sharing the good news, what he called the gospel. He began sharing that around the world, around the Middle East, and around Asia, and around Europe. And on one of those particular journeys, he came to a place called Lystra, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he met this young man named Timothy, who had a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother, but a Greek father. But Timothy was well thought of, and people had great respect for him. And so, so Paul recruited Timothy to come and be on his missionary journeys with him. Over the course of a number of years, as you can imagine, as they're traveling together on uh, by sea and by land, spending a lot of time together, there, there came this bond, this special connection between Paul and Timothy, such that a number of years later, Paul writes a letter to Timothy because they had, for whatever reason, had to part company. And Paul writes a letter to Timothy and check out what Paul says to Timothy in his greeting to him. Check it out. He says, Paul, an apostle, this is the very first verse, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. And he says, to Timothy, what does he say? A true son in the faith. Now, a few verses later, of course, Paul didn't have verses as he was writing. He was just writing a letter, but we have them as verses today. A few verses later, check out what Paul says again. This charge I commit to you, what does he say? Son Timothy. Now, a few years later, Paul writes another letter to Timothy, and he begins it the same way. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to Timothy, a what? Beloved son. You see, Timothy was not just a guy that Paul went to church with. He wasn't like, oh yeah, I see him once a week on Saturdays or, or whenever they went. He said, this is my son. This is, this is a, a fellow family member that I have given my life to, my heart to. We have this connection. They have moved beyond merely being colleagues in ministry. 
they had moved into a relationship where Paul looked at Timothy as though he was his son. Now, this wasn't simply the relationship that Paul and Timothy were called to enjoy. In fact, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy back, his first letter and his second letter. He's writing letters to Timothy to give him advice on how to conduct the life of the churches that Timothy had been placed in charge of. And so Paul is giving very practical advice. He's giving very, very practical advice on how to run the affairs of the church. And check out what Paul says to Timothy in that first letter. He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your what? As if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. And younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So Paul is telling Timothy, listen, these individuals that are are coming into the family of God, you are to consider them as though they were your blood relations. You are to look at them as though they're your father, they're your mother, they're your brother, they're your sister. They're not just, as I mentioned a second ago, they're not just people you go to church with. They are people that are on this journey together with you that you are to share life with. You are to to enter into their life and they're to enter into yours. Now, this is is just an echo of what what the, the Messiah, Jesus, said himself. Patching a few verses together, check out what Jesus said in the Gospels. He said, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. That sounds pretty pretty drastic, doesn't it? But what Jesus is trying to help us recognize is that our first call is to be a part of the family of God even more than our own biological families. You know, Jesus many times called people to follow him, and he says, listen, If you're not willing to leave it all behind, if you're not willing to count the cost, you can't be my disciple. You're you're to deny your former way of life so that you can join up with the family of God. And check out what he says a little while later in another verse, this time from the book of Mark. He said, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. So Jesus is saying, listen, you've left your mother, you've left your father, you've left your brothers and sisters, you've left your fields and your homes. Guess what? You're going to receive a hundredfold in this very age, in this very day. And he goes on to say, homes, this is what we're going to get. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecution. Say, that's pretty good, isn't it? (laughs) And in the age to come to eternal life. So check this out. Jesus is saying, listen, what I'm calling you to do is to radically reorient your life so that your biological context takes backseat to your spiritual context. Your family of God becomes your family. If you leave that all behind, guess what? You're going to get lots and lots and lots of brothers and sisters. You're going to get lots and lots and lots of fathers and mothers. You're going to get lots and lots and lots of homes. I heard one preacher say, yeah, I have a home in you know southern France. I have a home in Thailand. I have a home in Australia. And you say, wow, are you kidding me? No. It's because 
When I travel to those places, anywhere there's a child of God, that person is my brother, my sister. They have a home that is mine as well. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, this is the whole deal here. This is the new, the new family. This is the new, the new context in which we find ourselves is that he is inviting us into the family. He is inviting us into a spiritual community that is close as a biological family. I would bet you that if your literal biological mother or father step through those doors right now. Now, some of you already have your biological father or mother here. But if they walk through those doors, I would bet you that, among other questions you'd have for them, depending on their context, especially if they don't believe in Jesus, but never minding that, but I would bet you that, at the very least, every single one of us would ask them this question. All right? I guarantee you. You ready for what that question would be? What are you doing for lunch? Yeah? Do you think you would ask that question to your mother or father if they walked through that door? What are you doing for lunch after this? It would be kind of funny if you didn't ask them that, wouldn't it? You'd be like, okay, well, now some of us might be thinking to ourselves, well, I don't really talk to my parents, so that wouldn't be probably much of my concern. But you get the analogy, right? Like, if we were to really consider one another to be our, bro- like, really brothers and sisters, really the family of God, how would our behavior change? I bet you that we would think of church not as simply an event we show up to once a week, but a whole community of connected fellow believers. This is the big idea today. Church is not an event we attend, but a family we share life with. Church is not an event we attend, but a family we share life with. This is what the New Testament church was known for. The New Testament church was known as a community that shared everything together. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, we won't go there, but if you, that's maybe one of your homework assignments, just go home and read the last part of Acts, chapter 2. It said that daily they ate together, daily they prayed together, daily they worshiped together, they had all things in common. And guess what happened as a result of that? It's amazing. The author of Acts, whose name is Luke, he says, and the Lord added to them daily. In other words, check this out. They were living such a radically countercultural life that people looked at it and they said, wow, that's an amazing body of people that I've never encountered before. It was so incredibly attractive. They said, these people actually like each other. They actually love each other. They actually, they actually care for one another. And it was so countercultural. It was so revolutionary that people said, yeah, I'm not sure about all this Jesus stuff. I, I'm, I, you know, I don't know if I buy into all of that yet, but I want to be a part of what they have going on. I'm reminded of our friend Jose. Do any of you remember Jose, who came here to uh, our worship gathering a number of times, shared his story? It reminds me of how we first met Jose. We were doing our book club every couple weeks at Las Palapas here in Bangor. And eventually he saw us guys, who I guess we get along pretty well with one another, and he was intrigued. He said, what do you you guys, you know, what, what do you guys come here for? And we told him, and eventually came to 
share with him that we, are all, we were all Christians. And he said, well, I'm an atheist. I don't really believe in that. But you know what? Before long, Jose decided when I invited him, he was going to come here. And, you know, he came for like three weeks before he had to move back to Mexico. He shared his story here. Like, he doesn't believe in God, but he wants to be a part of this. And uh, I just messaged Jose this last week and um, asked him how he was doing. And he said, he's doing well. He, he wishes he was here in Bangor. And he said, do you have any new members in your church? He wanted to know that. And he said, you know, when I go back to Mexico, I need to find a church because he needed the community. He said, I don't know if I believe in it all, but I want to be a part of it. Because there is something incredibly attractive about God's people doing life together, sharing life together that is not seen in any other sphere because we come from all diverse backgrounds, from rich, poor, educated, non-educated, black, white, whatever it is. We come from diverse backgrounds. We come together, and God brings us together to show his love in action. There's a quote from this scholar named N.T. Wright. Some of us are reading this book, uh, a biography on Paul. It says, for the early Christians, love meant a shared family life with obligations of mutual support. This idea of Christian love that was so revolutionary in the first century, it wasn't just this abstract idea. It was actually God's people committing to one another as a family with all of the obligations and all the messiness and all of the, the pain and the struggle. and It's not all roses. If you know how a biological family goes, there's, there's challenges and there's struggles. And we come together as God's family. And it has all of that. But out of it comes this beautiful mess that God can take and use and he can show the world that his love is powerful enough to bring hearts together and reconcile them together. You know, one of the reasons why we sit around these tables and I know there's, you know, various uh, thoughts on them, and, and some of us are still getting used to it. But one of the reasons we want to be together in this context is so that we can actually look at each other in the eyes, and we can have fellowship and community with one another. And we praise God that nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt sit in straight rows and sit quietly when you're in a, a church building. So we, we feel like God is bringing us together to be, you know, we can't get it all, but it, we, we can get some of it here as, as a community where it just gives us a little taste of how we can be connected to one another. As we receive God's love into our hearts and as we go out to be his community in the world around us. You know, this all uh, community, I love this thought from this author. He says, community is the fruit born through shared brokenness. As we come together and we share our stories, and Brianna, thank you so much for your story. I know it's, it's uh, for people, many of us, it's hard to, to do that, but it was such a blessing to hear your story. But as we share our brokenness one, with one another, real community takes place. As we seek to bring comfort to one another, as we seek to, to affirm one another. And I tell you what, I won't drag out the story very long, but three or four years ago when we kind of started down this, this path of, of rethinking the way we, we understand church. Uh, originally, we had thought about trying to plant a new church. And I, again, I know some of you have heard the story before, but I, I had no idea how to plant the church. I, um, my dad planted, started a number of churches, but I had no idea how to do it. So I started reading different books. And the first book I read um, had this, 
this, uh, this, this idea where you were to launch large, is what it says. You're to form a team, and you're to prepare for this launch service, and you're to advertise, and that team is to prepare for that first launch and that first service. But that team was supposed to then just break up, if, if you will, after the launch service. And the book actually said, you're not to try to form really any community. And that's like the opposite of what you want to do because you're just going to break up, you know, so to speak, when, when the launch happens. And so church was very much an event in this type of, this type of approach. And uh, we formed the team together, and uh, we started meeting on Friday nights at Cameron and Ellie's house. And that very first night, I said to myself, uh-oh, this is not good. I'm actually, like, starting to get attached to these people. And, like, this is really, really rich and really powerful and really bonding. And as we kept meeting week after week after week, I just said, all of a sudden, I'm like, why does church have to be something different than this? Why can't it just be about God's people coming together and, and being in community with one another and learning together about God and then seeking to go out and bless the world? And so I tell you what, you can blame that experience for what has transpired since then because for many of us, we said, we can't go back to just church as an event where we sit disconnected from one another week after week. We need to have that mutual community and care and discipleship. And we need to, to be able to look at each other in the eye and, and to grow together. And so that for me was a turning point where I experienced true community as I had never had before and as we continue to do so. But you know, we want to invite you into that experience as well. And so you have a card. I've already told you about it. I've already warned you about it. And I am going to give you, I am going to give you two minutes. Some of you have already decided that you want to be a part of a missional community. And simply a missional community is a family of missionary servants sent out by God to make disciples who make disciples. Some of you have already said yes to that. I, I want to encourage you, if you've already joined up with a missional community, you can just fill it out as well. Fill it out as well. Just kind of reaffirm your desire to be a part of a missional community, even though you know some of you we may have seen last night or on Tuesday, we know that you're already involved. But we just want to have that reaffirmed here at the beginning of the year. Some of you maybe have never been a part of a missional community. Uh, some people call them small groups. It's just a small community of of people who are wanting to grow together and really experience life together. It sounds kind of intimidating to, to quote-unquote, share life. And at this point, we got to learn how to crawl before we can learn how to run. And so literally just maybe once a week getting together outside the walls of this building as we seek to um, be, be a true community that is open and authentic. And so, uh, yeah. Fill that out. I'm going to give you now. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to give you, I'm going to set my timer, okay? I do this for my children. I'm going to set my timer for 90 seconds now. 90 seconds. 90 seconds. 